All right, let's talk about marriages. It's not something that I'm an expert on, but it's something that I think the gospel can instruct us in a lot. And it's a vocation that a lot of uh, human beings are called to. The vast majority of human beings are called to. And the aspect of the marriage that I think the gospel, among other things, is calling us to, to think about is what happens in a marriage when the fun runs out. You don't need a lot of advice on how to get through the honeymoon period. When things are just great and everybody, you know, you're, everyone's in love and maybe even when there's a new baby and everything's cute and fun and things are going great, you don't need to worry about that. What you need to worry about is when the fun part, the passion, the feelings start to get a little old when the wine runs out and there's not much left other than just plain old day-to-day boring stuff. The wrong way to deal with it is to give up. And the reason I want to address this kind of really directly is that's an idea that's getting more kind of prevalent in our culture's understanding of marriage that when the feelings are gone, well, that means you're not in love anymore and that means you better get a divorce and you better do it as fast as possible before you're inconvenienced even for five seconds. Wrong. Totally wrong, totally dumb way to think about what, what a marriage is. Nothing permanent in life, nothing even with semi-permanence in life, is based on the intensity of emotions. When you make a promise you're not promising, especially an important promise that you make in front of the altar of God with witnesses. You're not saying, I promise to love you and to be with you and to take care of you and to be committed to you as long as I feel like it and then bye. What kind of promise is that? And if you're at a point in your life or your marriage or even in a friendship that you have and any kind of commitment you have where you're at that point where, gosh, you really are tempted to give up, Go back to the vow that you made and remember what you said. And if you got married in the church, there's no way you said, I promise, and then you filled your promises, and then at the end you said, until I don't want to anymore. No such thing. Your promise is bigger than your feelings. However, our feelings are important. So what do we do when they kind of run out? What do we do when the wine runs out? The miracle happened, but it's not this kind of guaranteed thing. There are things that we have to do on our part to allow for the possibility of Christ working the miracle of His grace in our hearts. To give us not just a human love, not just this sort of emotion of feeling good with other people, that's purely a human thing. What Christ offers us, the wine that he provides miraculously, is God's love. Is allowing us to love the way that God loves. In a permanent way. In a way that doesn't run out when we quit feeling like it. So that's grace. That's a free gift of God. Just like this wine, nobody expected Christ to to. to bring about through this miracle 
And yet, though it's a free gift, there are things that we can do to prepare our hearts for that gift. Jesus and Mary were invited. They were invited to the wedding. And we have no right whatsoever to demand a miracle of Christ or to expect something guaranteed from him. But we definitely help our chances when we invite him into our homes and we invite him into our marriages. Part of that is the actual wedding ceremony, a wedding ceremony that's done as a sacrament in the church, in the church building. And again, it's getting a little bit more common even among us, even among Chaldeans, that it's becoming kind of not a big deal. Like, oh, you know, if, if I don't get married in the Catholic Church, I'll get married somewhere else. It's not a sacrament there. I'll get married in some other church. If it's not a Catholic Church, it's not a sacrament. You're telling Jesus from day one, I'm not really that interested in you being part of my life, in you being part of my marriage. Not a good way to start out. Why? Oh, because it's not convenient, There's, the time's not right, or it's the, the date doesn't work out, or the church was being remodeled for a long time. What are the priorities here? What do you really care about? You really care about Jesus and Mary being part of your marriage? Or, you know, you don't want to be too late to dinner? you got to decide. This family decided to invite them to the wedding, but that's not the end of it because we have to also decide to invite them into our daily life. And if you're not praying every day as a family, where's that invitation? It's a daily thing. Praying every day. And again, prayer is exactly one of those things that you can start out, man, I'm so enthusiastic. I love praying. It feels good to pray. And then that feeling is going to go away too. And when you promise, you know, I made a New Year's resolution. I promise God. I whatever. I just know that it's the right thing. Forget about the promises. I know it's the right thing to pray every day. But then you don't feel like it. What are you going to do? Pray anyway. Invite Christ into your heart. You don't feel like it, so what? It's the right thing to do. So they invited them. And even if they're there, I, I want to warn you, because this, the gospel passage is really teaching us a lot here. Even though Jesus and Mary were there at the wedding, the wine still ran out. I'm not, don't, I'm not at all telling you that if you pray every day, then you're just going to be on, on your honeymoon for the rest of your life. Wrong. That's never going to happen. Even with Jesus and Mary there, you're going to get bored of each other. And you're going to get annoyed of each other, and you're going to get annoyed of your kids, and your kids are going to get annoyed of you, and that's part of being a family. That's not the end of family life. That's just the middle. That's the normal stuff. But even then, keep inviting Jesus into your house. Keep inviting Mary into your house, into your family. And then, Mary notices the wine is, is run out. And Mary's going to know what you need. And that's a really important part of prayer. Because sometimes we misunderstand prayer. We think prayer is, we better call God and tell Him what we need because He doesn't know what we need. And the more we yell at Him and remind Him, this is what I need, I need this, we need this, we need this, we need this, and we, we like badger Him, then, oh, you know, I didn't know you realize, I didn't realize that you needed that. No, look at what the Gospel's showing. Nobody went to Mary, nobody went to Jesus and said, oh, we're out of wine. Mary noticed. God knows what you need. 
And when you invite him, and when you invite Our Lady, she will notice, and she will turn to Christ, and she'll say, hey, this family needs you. And Christ will help in the way that he knows, maybe not in the way that you expect. And Mary says, do whatever he tells you to the servants. That's the next part. We invite them. They notice, what's the next thing that we have to do? Whatever he tells us. Obedience. If we live a life of obedience, we are opening up our hearts to the miracle of God's love, to the miracle of God's grace. If we invite them, and then we know that we need to do something, because it's, it's clear from God's law, from the teaching of the church, this is right and wrong, we know I, I need to be obedient to God, and then we're not obedient, we're shutting our hearts out, to, from, from, we're, we're preventing our hearts from receiving God's grace with disobedience. But if we obey, all right, the miracle's possible. Obedience. And then Jesus says, fill up these jugs with water, and it makes no sense. And sometimes obedience is not going to make any sense. And what, we, what God is asking us to do is not, how is that going to help? We're going to have no idea how it's going to help. And we need to do it anyway. And the jars are, are interesting as well because it says, John is giving us a little commentary, there were six stone, six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification. This family was very like uh, uh, diligent in practicing their faith. How did the miracle occur? Because they were already doing their ceremonies as Jews. So yes, praying at home, as a family, inviting Jesus and, Mary to, Jesus and Mary to your home, but also all the other Catholic stuff. Coming to Mass every Sunday. If you miss Mass on Sunday, you're, you're committing a sin. Going to confession at least once a year. Fasting when the church asks us to fast. Tomorrow is Ba'utha. Three days. No meat, no dairy. How is that going to help? I'm already frustrated. I'm already upset. I'm already whatever, tired. And you want me to fast? How's that going to help? I have no idea. But the church, church asks us to fast. And I don't know how that brings about a miracle in our hearts, and the miracle of God's grace in our hearts. But I know obedience is a good thing. And I know caring about our faith and our religion and our religious practices is a good, beautiful thing. And I know feeling like you're too good for them is a bad thing. Do any of these things cause that water to become wine? No, none of them does. So even when we do all our work, all our prep work, we're praying every day and we're inviting Christ into our hearts and we're trying to be obedient and we're really serious about our faith, all that is doing is opening the door. It is still Christ that, that performs the miracle. And only He is the one who can do it. And so we come to church today, we come to, to Mass on Sundays, and we invite him also into our hearts in the Eucharist. And with him comes, in a very sort of literal, like perfect, complete way, the love of God, which is greater than any human love, because it is true and it is everlasting.